Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me to talk about the biggest surprise in the NBA right now, the Houston Rockets, is Salman Ali from Red Nation Hoops. Great to have you back, Salman. And how shocked are you at how quickly Udoka's got these guys buying in? Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Robert. As far as shocked, I would say decently so, right? Because a new coach comes in with his own principles, his own way of doing things, his own you know biases of the roster, and you expect there to be some sort of transition period. And maybe those first three games were that transition period. But really, he's kind of figured stuff off on the, on the fly pretty quickly. More specifically, who the best players on the team are. Like, he's really you know, run with that uh, theme and it's, and it's, it's paying off. Like the Rockets look like a pretty competitive basketball team. I think there are some things that we need to look for, look out for. Maybe we will talk about in this conversation uh, sure. in regards to how well they've played, but I mean, it's, you can't complain so far if you're a Rockets fan. Man, it's hard to argue the best player. You talk about him knowing who to go to. The best player hasn't been Shangoon. You knew this. I knew this. Uh, it felt like the entire Rockets fan base knew knew this, and it wouldn't necessarily have surprised us nine games in. But what would have blown us away is that his defensive rating would be better than Evan Mobley, Brooke Lopez, and Jaron Jackson right now. And I don't know about you. Those, by the way, the top three guys on the defensive MVP la- list yet last year. I don't know about you, someone, but my favorite part of the Pelicans games was seeing him diving for those steals, deflecting passes and causing all the turnovers in the final few minutes. I mean, that's something that just nobody would have expected at this point, just nine games in. I, I have a little bit of contention with that because I, I've seen <laughs> this a lot, right? Like, oh, like, Shangun is just a lot better defensive, defensively this year. And it's like, is he? Because if you look at his steal and block rates for the past two years, or even his time in the BSL, they've always been high. Right, he's always had a high steal and block rate. Now he's his positioning is much better. I, I would say that's that's certainly true. But in terms of his effort level and his active hands, I feel like that's being like like it, a lot of that is like a revisionist history type of thing. And I'm seeing what people it's like that people that were never willing to admit that Shangun was good. It's like oh he's just gotten better defensively and now he's good. Now he's impactful. It's like no, he was fine defensively. He had his warts, no, no doubt. Right, like he. He wasn't like a strong defender, but like for the most part, he was in that firm average to below average area. And people made him out to be some like some second coming of Enos Cantor. And it's like, no, it's not true. Right. He's always been fine. He was so good offensively that he was always in the green. And I feel like I definitely do see some improvement in terms of how he positions his body relative to where he's supposed to be on the floor. But as far as like how Udoka is using him, I think that to me is probably the smartest thing the Rockets have done is they've gone away from trying to be a drop team, right, defensively. Now they're committing to being high up on the screen. They're they're committing to being aggressive on ball handlers. And I think Shangun is much more adept at playing that way versus playing that rim protector role. He's never been that. Even Ime Dudoka talked about it today. Like the Rockets are not a team that depends on rim protection defensively. That's not their identity. They have all these versatile rangy wing defenders, Dylan Brooks, Tari Easton, Jabari Smith, Jay Sean Tate, 
they want to use it. They want to be kind of a team that's perimeter-oriented defensively. And Shangun's benefited from that changeup. Yeah, I, I know he wasn't as bad as people said he was last year, and I know Silas was using him wrong. But I don't recall seeing Shangun like two or three minutes left to go into the game, and he's diving off of his man, you know, like <laughs> that play where he just dove and knocked the no. ball as he got called for the foul. We didn't see that. Like him getting in lanes defensively and getting deflections and stuff like that. You know, it's just that those extra little bits of effort. I, I, I was never somebody who was like, man, this guy can't do it. But, man, just to see, he's like an animal now. Like he, he had that, remember that tweet on Halloween? He said, the monster is still here, even though Halloween's over with it. I'm like, that, that's what Shane Goon's become. Yeah, no, he, he is. He's the best player on the team. He's the best player on the team. I'm glad that we've all gotten on board with this. I felt like I was being gaslighted for the past two years. Like, like this guy's not actually as good as bas- at basketball that I think he is. Like, people are like, oh, but look at look at X, Y, and Z. Or player X actually has a high ceiling on the team. This Shangun is like someone who's just a nice surprise for them. Uh, not sure if he could be a starter in the NBA because of X and Y vulnerabilities. And it's like, uh, no, like he, he he's just that guy. He's just that guy. He's the guy you should run your offense through until further notice. He's the best player on the team. Someone's going to have to come and take that crown from him. I'm glad that Ime came in with that. Everything's up for grabs mentality, right? Like he, uh, he absolutely had his biases to the team, right? Coming in. You saw, by the way, the Houston, by who was, who Houston was targeting in the off season that he had his biases of the roster, right? But he came in with an open mind. He even said that if Kevin Porter Jr. had returned, that shooting guard spot would have been up for grabs. The starting shooting guard spot would have been up for grabs. Now the minutes and usage is being distributed by who the best players are. And I think that's a much healthier way to not only play your best basketball night in and night out, but to develop your best roster, to just let roles fit in how they naturally should, not how you think that they will eventually fill in. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. You can't go about go around it backwards like that. I want to ask you about one little thing that Udoka is doing with him that I just thought was a little bit interesting. I, I heard it brought up on another show that he's only played 24 minutes so far without Fred Van Vliet on the floor. Are you surprised Udoka's tied him in so much with Van Vliet and hasn't broken up their minutes more since they are the two best facilitators on the team? I am I am surprised. Uh, I, I thought that was um, I I thought that was kind of questionable at the beginning of the season because it's like oh the obvious move would be to kind of stagger these guys and have one of them on the floor at all times. I think there are two reasons the Rockets are doing this. One, I think they really want to develop Jalen Green as a playmaker, uh, and and they're having him out on the floor by himself a lot. I think that's part of it. I think you know that's that has nothing to do with Shengun. That's just something they want as an organization to develop with Jalen Green, and I can understand some of that. Two is Van Vliet and, and, and Shangun are just really good together. The biggest reason Shangun is playing the way he, ha- he is right now, the, re- the biggest reason the entire roster is bought in on him being this guy is Fred Van Vliet came in and quickly identified that he's the guy, right? Like he quickly realized he's the most productive offensive player, the most efficient scorer. If I run pick and roll with him, if I run dribble handoffs with him, I'm going to get a positive play more times than not. The Rockets, the coaching staff are like, if they're playing well together, why why change things up right like why 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 separate the two why risk it i think eventually they should get to a point where they feel comfortable staggering those two but i think you know if if the if the long term goal 
is develop Jalen as a playmaker. You know, Ime came into training camp saying over and over again, we want Jalen to be a better all-around player. We know he can score, but we want him to be better all-around, right? And it, what he was alluding to was A, his, def- his defense, and B, his playmaking, his pick-and-roll operability. That's kind of the idea there. I, I think the idea there is they want to develop uh, Jalen as, as that kind of guy with the ball in his hands. I also think Jalen would would kind of benefit from playing with Shangun, and I think the Rockets should explore some of that because their games do fit alongside each other long uh, long term pretty well. Jalen's a great off the ball guy. I think um, Jalen, uh, as as a guy in the G League, was always willing to move, be an active cutter, an active guy to go get shot uh, catch and shoot looks, and he's he's done that this season. But I think playing playing off of Shangun would be beneficial to him. And also, if they're going to be part of this long-term core, they need pick-and-roll chemistry. They need reps together. Because if if you want to get to a point where you're Jamal Murray and Jokic, right? Jamal Murray and Jokic played a ton of minutes together by the time they were ready to go and compete for a title, right? If you want to get to a point with that with this core, right? If that's what you believe this core is going to be, you got to play them together. For right now, it's fine that, they're, that they, have, they haven't, they're doing the minutes the way that they're doing it. I think some tweaking of that would be would be something I would look at, especially after, at the halfway point of the season. The question around the league is how much of what the Rockets are doing is sustainable? Yeah, it's a cute story right now, but can they keep this up? And I mean, a four seed Salmon, probably not realistic, I guess, but is this a level that they can keep up barring injury? I believe in them as a playing team. I, I do. Like, I, I think I, I had them for 35 wins uh, going into the season. That's a 13 win bump. looks like they're going to go a little bit over that uh, just by things, the way things have looked. But they have gotten I, I, I want to be very careful in how I say this. They have gotten a, a tad bit lucky. Right. And not just like, yes, they play teams without their first or second best players. Right. They played the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. They played Pelicans without C.J. McCollum, the Kings without De'Aaron Fox the Lakers without Anthony Davis, even the Hornets without Miles Bridges, right? Like they play teams without some of their best guys. That said, they've also beaten those teams pretty handedly, right? Like there's not like they're skating by some of these victories. The Nuggets game, they had, they did skate by a little bit, but they destroyed the Kings, right? They destroyed the Kings. That's that. That's not something that Christ. happens by act. Yeah, that is, that's not something that happens by accident, right? But also uh, going back to the luck thing, I think more specifically, the luck they're getting from a three-point shooting perspective, both how in how they're shooting and how other teams are shooting against them, I think that's something that I expect to come down to earth a little bit, right? Like, they're getting the second-best three-point shooting luck in the NBA. You would think, oh, like, why are you calling it luck? Like, they're just making shoots, like, teams shoot a lower percentage on you. That's not really how that works. Three-point defense is more indicative, like, in terms of three-pointers allowed. That's the best way to gauge three-pointers allowed. And in that category, they're not second, they're 14th, right? Which is much better than where they've been. They were 30th last year, right? So they're much better at chasing guys off the line than they were uh, last year. But they're not quite where they're at right now. And from a shooting perspective themselves, you know, you're seeing Dylan Brooks having an outlier shooting season right now from the from the three-point range. Um, Tari Eason, same thing. Jay Sean Tate, same thing. Uh, Jalen Green's at 40% right now. I think he's gotten better as a shooter. I think he's probably going to be above where he... This is probably going to be his highest clip from three by far of his career. I don't know if he's going to hit 40%. That's a high That's a high number. So I think some of this is going to come down to earth a little bit. I think some of this is just they've played a, a crap ton of games at home, like seven out of nine games they've played at home. But a lot of this is real, 
right? A lot of this, if you if you look deep into the numbers, like in terms of what they're allowing, you know, that three-point number I just told you about, that's real. Like three-pointers allowed, that's going down. If you look at what they're allowing uh, as a transition team, like that, that's real. So those numbers, you know, that's not luck. They're, they're, they're a much better transition defense team than they were last year. So I, I think I think some of this is going to be... Uh, is going to be TBD, but I would suspect, in my estimation, they're going to be a six through ten seed this year, which is a play-in team. And if they make the playoffs, like if they're like a fifth seed, that's gravy, right? If, they, if they're like a, where do you don't even have to play it, playing team? Like that's that's amazing. I don't think that's very likely. It's a Western Conference is too brutal, but I think what you're looking at here is a much improved team that's going to be in contention for a playoff spot. May not necessarily secure it. We'll we'll see what happens. At this point, all you wanted this year was a competitive team that that took a serious step forward, and that's what you're getting. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with with a little bit the three point defense, where I think some people might go by luck or percentage. That that stuff's going to come down. I'm going to come back to that in a second, but I agree with you. You know, Brooks and Tate, their shooting's been you know way hot, but that's going to come down. But outside of those two. It hasn't been this team shooting that's been incredible. Most of the other percentages seem very sustainable. Defensive effort. I mean, they're about ninth in the league, right? Like they're they're ninth in the league in three point percentage, right? Like that that's a pretty high mark. I I, I think listen, I'm I'm not saying they're gonna drop down to twentieth or something, right? I just think you some fallback is gonna be natural. Yeah, and part of that I think is just you're getting better three point shots that they didn't have last year. And that's going to be a big deal as far as that goes. Like you said, defensive effort, that's sustainable, improved fast break defense. It's not going away. Most of why they're doing what they're doing is because they're just better at the basic principles. And the only thing that changes a bit is the veteran teams get a little more serious as the season wears on. They have another gear to go to. Plus the Rockets can't sneak up on teams like they may be doing early their perception helps them in this first month but soon i'm expecting maybe a different level of intensity that they're going to see so that's going to play a part in it and just i think on three-point defense it you know you could go well these teams are according to percentages are missing shots that they might not make they're getting maybe the most luck in three-point deep but i also know one thing i watch this rockets team and they go out and try to contest every single three-point shot they've got guys running at you you know the Rockets are sometimes say well this team it, it, it doesn't have the length but Jabari and Shangoon are not small guys running at you Dylan Brooks isn't a small guy running at you Jalen Green small but you know when he jumps he's big you know because of his athleticism the other part about it is that when you do this on a consistent basis and you know this Solomon when you are running at guys non-stop and you're also being as physical as the Rockets play. Teams, number one, they get worn down. But number two, they're like, oh, I know if I shoot a three, the Rockets are going to have somebody in my face. Like last year, teams just like, they could take a smoke break <laughs> or something like that and go, okay, all right, I can shoot a three because I know, you know, they're, they're going to give up. They're going to stop rotating. So I think that part of it, that's where I, I guess I would disagree with you. I think you said off the top that, uh they, they have been getting what they call luck in the end. And I'm like, ah, sometimes it's not luck. I'm not saying all of it is, right? Like, yeah. again, like their three-point defense is, is much better. But I, I think 
just some of this is like guys will get better at shooting against them, right? Like if teams continue to shoot 33% from three against them all, all year, I'll be wrong. I'll, I'll happily say that I was wrong, but I just, I just think some of it's going to come, come back to earth. But that said, like, I mean, that, that doesn't take away from anything that they've done. They, they, they've still gone out and beaten these teams. I still think they're going to be a top 15 defense in the NBA. That was something that a lot of people would not have bet on. Right. I think they're going to be much better cohesively. Uh, and just as a team that just fundamentally believes they can win every night, that's a, that's what the Rockets are right now. Like they, they are not scared by who, who comes up next on the schedule. Right. We're a team that believes we have a chance every night. Uh, you know, Dylan Brooks comes comes out and says, I'm going to lock up LeBron and the young players feed off that Jabari Smith talked about how that that motivated him. Right when 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 you know Dylan Brooks said that not not none of what I'm saying is I'm trying to take away from them. I'm just saying like I think you know this Western Conference is really really tough. A lot of teams are brand new and they're still getting their stuff together. You said some of this right. The scouting is going to catch up on them a little bit. Like people are going to find out how to better defend Shangun. That's not to say Shangun's not still going to be good, but the defenses are going to be better at trying to take away some of the stuff that he's awesome at. Right, like he's throwing a lot of these defenses off guard. Like he had teams have no idea what the hell to do with them. Especially when 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 he's killing them for the first half of the game as a passer and then they start guarding him like a passer and then they're just standing five feet away from him, getting him an open lane to the basket. Right. Like that kind of stuff is uh gonna get evened out a little bit. But I um, mean it, it's it's fun basketball to watch. It's a very fun Rockets team. I want to ask you about Jabari for a second because he's shown improvement 48% from the field, 36 from three. I'm sure there are those who expected maybe a bigger breakout after the summer league in the preseason. His defense has kept him on the bench late in the last two games, which is worth noting. What are you seeing from Jabari? Offensively, he's taken a pretty big step as a ball handler. That's something that tr- that's translated from the summer league to the preseason to now. Like he he he's getting the ball and just going. Confidence wise, he's just like happy go lucky Auburn Jabari again, which is nice to see. You talk about you know him missing those game, those late game situations. I think that's just a case of he's not big enough yet to guard some of these guys. Like Zion's gonna kill him, right? Like Zion, he's just not ready for Zion, right? He's not ready for Jokic, right? He's not he's not ready for the, some of these tough tough assignments. I think that's why you go out and you get a Jeff Green, right? That's why you go out and you get a, J- a Jock Landale, right? For those assignments that you're not quite adept at, as you know, defending yet. That's what the, that's where those guys can come in handy. And those guys right now they're just better defenders, point blank, right? That Jabari's gonna get better defensively but these guys have been around for a long time the game has already slowed down for them the game is still fast for Jabari and I think we'll see how this develops but I I, I'm really impressed by the steps he's taking offensively uh, specifically just playing more inside out versus outside in like he's not chunking up like 10 threes a game anymore which I it drove me crazy last year just seeing him take as many three-pointers as he took like I know he's a three-point shooter but like, if you watched him at Auburn, he took more mid-range jumpers, and he took more around the basket than he was last year. And so, seeing him this year kind of take more of those those go-to, you know, stop and pop mid-range jumpers, and then kind of expanding out to three as the game goes on, I think that's been kind of encouraging. Seeing him get back to what he's good at in in this Rockets rebuild, I, I don't know if I've seen a player get better at a, at a skill as quickly as Jabari got better at ball handling. Like that was fast. Like he looked awkward last year. Yeah. Uh, and he is much more comfortable handling the basketball this year. Nobody was 
happy when Silas wasn't running plays for him last year. We've seen him, though, incorporated in the offense slightly more. But it's mostly the offense is the Shangun and Van Fleet pick and roll when all those guys are on the floor, even Shangun in the high post. So to get him going, I, I still believe Jabari needs touches more than he's getting. And are you surprised they haven't run more plays for him in second units? Because like I told you before the season, I believe he should be playing center when Shangun's on the bench. That's probably the best chance to get him touches. Somewhat. I mean, I, I, I think so it, it does seem like the pecking order is becoming more established as Van Vliet, Shangun, Green, and then kind of everybody kind of fills out around that. There's no fourth guy, right? It's just whoever has it going that night. It's really hard to have a fourth consistent, oh, this is our fourth option consistently night in, night out. More more often, even on the best teams in the NBA, they rotate. With Jabari, this is going to be a case of like, I think uh, too much too quick is, is might be a bad thing for him. I think I, I actually like the pace at which the Rockets are giving him offensive opportunities. I think putting way too much on his plate right now, especially where he, he you know, he's gotten better offensively, but he's still not quite what you want for a guy being your third option or whatever offensively. I think I think that's that's still going to be something that takes some time. And I I, I think the Rockets want to see Jalen lead those second units, and perhaps you can make a case that maybe they should be running more pick and roll with Jabari and Jalen in that second yeah. unit. And I, yeah. I think that, that, you know, there's a case to be made for that. It's, it's hard to argue with the results so far, right? It's like offensively, there's not moments where I'm like, oh, they're miss. They could be doing this. Like the, the biggest thing I'm like, oh, they could be doing. This is the staggering of Van Vliet and, um, and Shengu. And that's like the biggest thing. I'm, and I'm like, even that, like I get the rationale behind it. Other than that, there's not like one thing where I'm like, oh, they're missing out on these easy gimmies night in, night out. I think Jabari is someone that is going to take some time. I think you look at the best case scenarios of what Jabari Smith is, which I think is Paul George, right? That's the best, best case scenario. That Paul George was a long-term project, right? It took a long time for him to get going uh, to the point where he was a number one, number two option offensively, right? If you're like a Jabari Smith optimist and you believe in that high-end outcome, you have to look at those other guys, right? Uh, the same thing I would say about Jalen Green. A lot of people came into this year expecting Jalen to be, you know, third-year leap Jalen Green, third-year leap Jalen Green. It's like, guys, if you look at the molds in which Jalen Green is is modeled after, right, like the Zach Levine, the Devin Bookers, the Bradley Beals, those guys didn't have third-year leaps, right? Like Devin Booker, yeah, he had somewhat of a third-year leap, but most of the guys in this mold, they have fourth-year leaps, fifth-year leaps, right? And it takes them a little bit longer because they're not great processors, right? Jabari, same thing, not a great processor of the game. Guys who are great processors of the game are co- come more often than not coming to the league and are natural playing it, right? Like Shangun, very strong processor of the game, very quick transition from BSL to NBA play, right? Same thing with a man, I think. I, I suspect a man is going to translate pretty naturally. Uh, Asor is doing it pretty well in Detroit, right? I think, I think guys who can read the game like that tend to just have an easier time offensively. So with him, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I, th- I think I think this is the natural, you know, course of action with him. Yeah, the the thing with me is I want to see him playing the five and bench units. Jock Landell has stunk. I I don't know why he's still like you talk about him defensively. I don't see it. You know his his lateral quickness not great. If you're in the right spot, but the guy's still getting by you, or if you're still getting over. I mean, I don't see any way Jock Landell adds anything, and there's no reason that. 
the four or five when Shangun's on the bench isn't some combo of Jabari, Tari, now that he's back, and Jeff Green. So you have those three guys as an option for a four or five. I mean, frankly, Landell makes me miss Daniel Tice. Salmon, I didn't think I was going to say that. But by the way, Daniel Tice, who just got picked up by the Clippers, where all old Rockets go to die. And and hell, I'd rather play Bobine right now over the, the handle. That's that's how disappointing uh, he's been. And I, I'm just like, you don't need to play him right now. I mean, there's there's not that big guy that oh my god, Jabari's getting overpowered by some backup center that you, that somebody's going to in the post. I'm not worried about that. Plus, Tari, you know, if he's if he's playing with Tari, Tari can handle some guy with muscle. If some guy with muscle is starting to you know, score on you inside or something like that. Is Lawndale really playing that much? Like, I, like I could, I just haven't been paying attention to Lawndale as much as like as I see, I see on Twitter, like people react. Like, how much is he playing night in, night out right now? They were kind of, they were almost a little stuck when you had the injury to Tari, and and I could sort of get it at that time. But since he's been back, they start off. They didn't. He wasn't in the rotation. You know, maybe once or twice. But then back with the Denver game. And I don't even think this was because it seems like Shangun was in there every single time. Uh, the Jokic was in there. He he he's playing in the, against the Nuggets. Why? What what was he giving? I mean, he's just not giving you anything. To me, any minutes for him are minus minutes right now. Not that he's. It's not like I'm going. Oh my God, they're playing him th- thirty minutes or twenty five minutes or something like that. But geez, any anything right now because he's just he's 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 just a big nothing. And, and Tari's back. You know, Tari can play and. And and you stop Jeff Green, you know, as you ramp up Tari's minutes. I mean, he played two minutes in that Denver game, right? Like, I think, like maybe those two minutes were like really bad, and you noticed it and really pissed <laughs> it you was off. T- it was two more than he should have, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he was a negative four, had one rebound. Like, like listen, I, I get it. Like, he's not like he's a backup center. He's an he's an NBA backup center, and I think the Rockets have have settled into playing more of Jeff Green and, and you know Tari Eason. With Ime, it seems like he does go preconceived notion first, right? Like of the player, he goes off his biases first, and then he lets other players kind of earn it. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. Like I was more frustrated with the way Ime would play guys at the beginning of the season versus where he's where he's playing guys now. And I think that's kind of more him learning the roster, learning who his best guys are. You know, Londale, I think he's more of a contract on this team than actual an actual player. I, I, right. I don't expect him to play. Um, much more than like ten minutes a game, if any. Uh, I think mo- more often than not, you're gonna you're gonna get Jeff Green. Um, you're gonna get uh, Jabari. You're gonna get other guys playing those center minutes. I I, I think I think he's just a, he's just a body. He's just a warm body. Man, what do you uh, got going on over at your your deal, and and what's the latest, and what do you want to plug? Yeah, so I wrote a little bit about this hot start for the Rockets yesterday. And I kind of, I've been seeing a lot of like people trying to like assign credit for this hot start, right? Like, oh, Ime, uh, thank God for Ime coming in or X, Y, and Z saved the Rockets from doing whatever, right? And my thing is you guys don't get to take away credit from individual members of the organization, right? Like, yes, guys have made mistakes. Rafael Stone, general manager of this team, has made mistakes in building out this roster. The way he's handled Shangun has been frustrating. No one's been more vocal about that than I have. That said, he did draft the guy. He did trade for the guy. You don't get to just take that away. You don't get to just assign credit for that to somebody else. That's just not how this works. Everybody gets credit, right? In a front office, and especially the top guy, he pulled the trigger on it. 
if you're getting smart counsel and you're listening to those people, that says a lot about you, right? Even if these get going after Fred Van Vliet wasn't like Rafael's like first instinct, right? Maybe it was going after James Harden. I mean, he listened to smart people. He listened to Ime. He listened to the direction of guys in his organization. I think that, that that's more what I was writing about uh, yesterday. It's like I don't. I feel uncomfortable when people try and take away credit from like anybody in the organization for like what they've done, right? Like, yes, there's been a lot of luck in building out this roster. There's been a lot of luck um, in building out most rosters. So I, I just, I feel uncomfortable when that happens. So I wrote about a little bit of that and I wrote about kind of analyzing the, the, how, how true is what this start is, right? Like how, like digging deep into the numbers, digging deep into that luck stuff that we talked about. That's kind of what I wrote about yesterday. I'm, and I'm going to write a little bit about Jalen green over the next couple of days. at Renation Oops. Yeah, we just uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about I, I just still wasn't a believer that Jalen could be that superstar that I think a lot of people want him to be for as far as Rockets fans. I feel like, yeah, he's made we're starting to see a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. It's still <laughs> it's still a not enough to move the needle for me, but we'll see how things go because the, the, the Jalen situation is definitely worth watching. But go check out Salman Ali's stuff. He's at Salman Ali NBA on X and, you know, Red Nation hoops. Great stuff, Salman. Thanks so much for doing this. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.